Phil Rivers, the man. What up? Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, brother. Thank you for having me. Man, thank you for having me. I'm in your city right now. Uh, we're in New York. It's my first podcast here, first time being here um, since I was a kid. But I'm just, I'm just so excited to be sitting with you, man. A friend, a client, I consider a mentor and a brother. Dude, let's, let's, let's dive in. I need to hear about your story, man. We need to talk about, first of all, how would you identify yourself? An email marketer, a I, TikTok I, wizard, what are you? I'm definitely not a TikTok wizard yet. <laughs> That's why I hire you guys for the tutelage. For me, I, I would say I'm just a businessman. Like I came up marketing and doing email. Um, and that's what I still do, but much more now transition from being an email marketer to like operating and growing the business, which is just an entirely different set of skills yeah. um, that I had to learn because I didn't, there's no guidebook to this shit. Um, but so still a marketer, just not as like purebred email exclusively. Now a lot more focused on just building, building the business operations, fulfillment, cash flow, growth. You know all of those things. Yeah, kind of overseeing it from outside, not not being inside the business as much. But I like backing out piece by piece. You know. Yeah, zooming out, bird's eye view yeah. of the business, making the big strategic decisions that make, you know, seven plus figures. Trying to. <laughs> awesome, man. But let's before even the business though. Let's let's dive into it, man. You come from a sports background. Talk to us about that a little bit. I mean, I just so I grew up playing ball. Played in high school. I wasn't like set the world on fire, the best player you ever seen, but I just like loved the game. And where I went to, where I went to school, it like wasn't a sports school. So, and especially like wasn't a baseball school. Um, and so we were sort of like just the redheaded stepchild program of the school, but me and a couple, two other guys were like the good players and there was every, everyone else. Like we took it just more, much more seriously. At the time, dude, I didn't, I had the shittiest grades. School. I, I just like had to have a B average uh, so I could, drive my car because that was like the requirement by my dad but I didn't okay. even technically have a B average I just finessed math and and decimal points to make it look like I had a B average <laughs> to him. I don't know you know how I pulled this off because he's a pretty smart dude anyways um, then at the after high school I was like I still wanted to play I didn't want to give up on the dream and I wasn't um, uh, re realistic enough at the time to know that like there's no future for me in this right I was still just like wanted wanted it yeah. and so I had the option I can go to like a D2 or 3 school to play, or I can go JC, junior college, yeah. play there. And in California, where I grew up, JC is very competitive baseball, yeah. arguably much more, definitely more competitive than a D2 or three, just because a lot of guys, they're not big enough or uh, whatever to get drafted. So they'll go play JC for a year, two years, then get drafted and go. Um, and so at the time, I didn't know what my limitations were um, and stuff, or I just wasn't that realistic about it. So I went to a JC. Um, and uh, my first year, we were the worst team in California. We literally had one win, one win. It was embarrassing. And then the next year, we got a new coach, a bunch of players that from other programs came here, came to our school with the new coach. And uh, we were like two wins away from being state champs. Okay. So it was like black and white, like difference, right? Over Like literally in less than a year. Night and day. And I didn't play as much on the second team because there, there were guys better than me. And then it became apparent, like, I'm at the tail end. I'm on the off-ramp to my playing career, unless I just want to keep it going because I like the game. But from a, I was never going to get paid to do this. And so I just lived in the moment, dude. Just like, we're, like, when you're winning, it's hard to be sour. You know, so I didn't even really care. I wasn't getting as much PT as before. I was just like, yo, I want to win. The, the vibe is ill. Um, and I was just all in on the ride. And after that, I was just like, I could have gone and tried to walk on at a four-year after. But I was like, you know, 
that would that would have been D one. I don't even know if I could have made it. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, but then I was like, you know, if I making the commitment at D1 is a whole different, it's not playing J JC baseball yeah. anymore. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to dedicate my whole life day in and day out to this team where I walk on and sit on the bench and it was a not even a good team and be losing. I was just like, I'm, this is the end of the line and I hung them up and I'm, I haven't honestly picked up a baseball since my last game. Damn. Yeah. And that was in 2005. So, Phil, that's really interesting, man. You know, you for you, sports was a big part growing up, but you always kind of knew in the back of your head, like, this is not a forever thing. I'm, I'm Juco right now, and this is dope, that I'm having fun, but, like, it's either I can be, you know, kind of average at a really high level, or I can be really good at a lower level. Is, was that kind of the vibe and then you just kind of I was just like I was at the end of the road I kind of just like figured it out yeah and it was just like it you know it's it happens for most for most people that play any sport like dude some crazy stat is like only five percent of kids that play a sport in high school play after high school competitively that's wild and so, so like, like I, I mean I, I, that's me I, I only played football growing up and and like all growing up but into high school, but ne never passed that. Right, and so most kids never play after. Mm -hmm. So it was already like kind of elite, quote unquote. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, the writing's on the wall, I'm only six feet, I only throw 88. It's it, yeah. like I'm a dime a dozen, let's move on. Accept it, keep it moving. So what was next, man? So I went to school, fucking um, in San Diego, and I was just like a kid living. I had no, like I had a couple side hustles here and there. What were you studying? Business, Business. but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like. Yeah. I think it's really actually like our whole system is screwed up with education because like what 18 year old kid knows what they want to do when they're 50 like you know no fucking clue. so i just like business it was broad and same here um and i was always like entrepreneurial but the classroom is not where i flourish uh, it's so funny man business school like actually taught me nothing about business like, I, I i look back and i think of those times like if anything it taught me how to party which is good for business but uh, yeah well it's, i think what what's what I got really good at is playing the game mm -hmm. to get whatever bullshit mark to yeah. get out of the stupid class. So I just got really good at plagiarism, quite honestly. Uh, I got good at being friends with nerds. <laughs> like, uh, and I just make sure that I just, hey, this assignment, like, can you help me out real mm -hmm. quick? I just don't know. I just did it. I just plagiarized the whole thing. <laughs> um, I got really good at that, dude. Uh, hey, man, but like looking at kind of what you do now, it's not like it's plagiarism, but like, copywriting and and email marketing and stuff like that it is borrowing from what's worked right and and using that and simplifying it and putting that message out there we'll dive a little bit more into that but i do want to kind of continue so from from that like you know university uh, san diego state san diego state from from there you know you're studying business you're, you're where's your like, i was just chilling living just being a kid you know yeah. Um, like oh, out of the like out of the house, no parent supervision, just like do what I want, be a young adult, fuck up, work. Um, and so when I was at school, so I lived in this house because I went there, you know, in my third year. So I w moved into this house. There was a room. This this guy, um, we like there was an ad for Craigslist for a roommate. This dude answered it. His name was Doug. I never met him, but we became like fast friends. And um, he's very creative and artistic and, uh, and and business oriented, but very creative. And I'm not. And so. He would, um, this is like my first like real sort of venture. Um, he would, he was designing t-shirts and selling them on message boards. And I was like, dude, 
like, let's just try and like make this more legit than obscurely just selling a random de design on NikeTalk.com. And so then we started designing, we conceptualized the idea to design t-shirts that coincided with the releases of Nike shoes, Nike Dunks at the time. Okay. No Nike marks or anything like that, just overall things that would be, that were fashionable at the time that would come just out. Just so go with it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd sell them on message boards. Um, and so we built like an email list and would it transact on PayPal. It was very like web 1.0, not sexy, not scalable. Um, but at the time, the internet was mad different. And it mm -hmm. just like, it worked. So, and then that's just like parlayed into like the, our, like a brand that we coined, we call 24K Gold, which I think is a pretty sick name. That is a pretty sick name. <laughs> and we didn't know anything about anything, yeah. really. And we didn't have the internet like we have it now. And so what we did, we got a bunch of designs printed up from a screen printer, went to all these street shops, in Southern California with a box showing them our tees, like, do you want to buy them? And, and we got pretty successful. I think we were ultimately in like 25 stores throughout California, all just from, from damn, tears, carrying a cardboard box around. No like real sales process and stuff like that. And we were getting reorders. And like, again, this is the really early days of e-com. So that was like hit or miss. We we're really just like straight retail, um, doing, going to like trade shows and stuff like that. So it, it like became something but li literally by accident yeah and then like, after school he left a semester before i did and it was just like sort of fizzled out okay. again like we weren't really like we That's didn't know serious about well we didn't know anything and so like we didn't know what the next move was so it's sort of just like you know life did its thing and it, the, the brand just fizzled out i still talk to doug all the time we're boys and we always reminisce like you know what could have been <laughs> what could have been with 24k you man? know but um <laughs> so it was a good learning experience um but that's how I like got my start marketing, especially with email, just because at the time that's all you could do. Yeah. Interesting, man. So that, I actually did not. That's on my dinosaur on the internet, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think you know this stuff. You're OG, OG, pure. If anyone. When people DM me on Twitter, they're like, "How long have you been emailing for?" I'm like, "Oh, since like '06." Yeah. They're like, "What?" Yeah. I was born in 2000. That's crazy, <laughs> man. That is crazy. That's 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 such a cool story for me to hear because it kind of shows that like. You had this itch. You did have like the entrepreneurial itch, but you had enough like you know foresight to kind of see like, hey man, like we don't. There's no like blueprint for this like there is now, right? right. For people like, like I would talk and I would talk to that. people like that. I would somehow get in like finesse a call, call with them like they've worked at Quicksilver or some shit um, that's much bigger than what we were doing. But it was so dis where they were and where we were was so disconnected that it was like. Yeah, there was value in it, but at the t again, I was so young and inexperienced. I didn't know how to even read between the lines at the time yeah. to get the nuggets that were, maybe they were there, maybe they weren't, yeah. to parlay it into our stuff. So yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you take swings and it's just the way it goes. So what was next after that, man? What, what led you into, like, was that the thing that made you kind of interested in e-com or were you working a job? Like, what were you, what, what were you doing at this time now? So, we, like, that was like the first, like, well, I don't know if it's forte is the right word, um, into like the, the digital stuff, everything else. Foray. Foray, foyer, anyways. Yeah, I, th I think that's the word, anyway. The fuck. <laughs> um, and so then I would just like, I would do stuff online, e-com stores, but it'd be like little shit here and there. But really, again, like this is 06, 07, 08. The world was so different. And so like, I would have like little hustles, but I would say my worldview was like limited in terms of what was possible. And so I, I think I was just like, maybe just a victim of, like not knowing where to go to get information or maybe like not being curious enough. Like at the, like entrepreneurship now on the internet is per, it's, it, it permeates everywhere. At the time it was just like, I was young, I was inexperienced in life 
and I didn't know myself that well. You know, I'm 22 years old, right? And so, like, I have all the influences of, like, older people like my parents or former bosses. Then I have, like, my loser friends yeah. that aren't, most of them aren't doing shit, yeah. right? And some are rich kids, some aren't, but they're not really driven. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like it's not, this isn't the place for me, but I couldn't verbalize it. And I also wasn't mature enough or self-aware enough at the time to be like, this is what I'm really drawn to or this is what I like and go seek out that information on the internet or from a person to like keep it moving. So I think it was just sort of like, in retrospect, like stuck. Like my parents, authority figures tell me do X, Y, Z. All my loser friends aren't doing shit, but I want to be cool because I'm like young and I want to have a good time, but I'm not fulfilled when I'm doing those things. But I also know that what my parents are telling me or the authority figures like is not what I'm drawn to either. And it was just like, you know, you hear these stories now about like in school and stuff, you're trained to go to school, get good grades, get a job. And like, that's what was, is like pushed on you. And I could like, even now thinking about it, like I could, it's like palpable, I can feel it. And I was like, oh shit, like I don't want to do that, but I also don't want to do nothing like my friends. So I was like stuck. Kind of. Kind of like in limbo a little bit. Like you don't belong to this group right here, which is doing the safe, getting to nine to five and and just whatever. But then you're also not just smoking weed on a couch. Wasting time. Yeah. Right. And so then I was like, and I had jobs and stuff like that. Like I was into startups. So I worked at some startups. I always had my side hustles like either legitimate or illegitimate, if you know what I mean. Um, And but I was like, again, like at the time I was like, yo, I want to be a part of a startup because I get equity. And then it goes public or it sells and I cash out. But then, and that's not really how it virtually ever happens. But when you're 22 years old, you don't know that. You read TechCrunch and it's romantic. <laughs> you think like, oh, I'm going to be straight in four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so I did that. I tried to play that game. But I was like, and it took a while, some experience and, and getting kicked in the shins and like just maturation as a, as, a, as a person for me to be like, this isn't for me either. Like, this is just a job. I'm not ever going to get shit from this. Um, so ultimately, uh, I was like... I went to four cities. I was like, I know I can't live in LA anymore. Like, I'm just like trapped, right? If I don't get out now, I don't know if I ever will. So I went to um, Seattle, Washington, Austin, Texas, uh, New York City, three cities, and New York City. Uh, I knew I wanted to leave California, so I didn't go to SF because I was still into startup shit at the time. Mm -hmm. And then Seattle just wasn't for me to granola. Austin was like just too hot, but it's not the Austin that we have now because this was in like, 2011 right 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 um and i came to new york and i was like yo if i don't go to new york now i'll probably never do it and i'll hate myself when i'm 40. what was it about new york that just the action gravitated towards the action the action i know and i didn't know i didn't know a soul i didn't know a soul any place you, you hadn't been here before when i was like 18 with my mom that doesn't count that doesn't count yeah right but i didn't know when i came here i didn't know anyone so i was just like fish out of water but it's still like new york nice and i was like so I went to all three places. Seattle was disqualified. Austin disqualified. So I was like, I go to New York or I stay in LA. Went back to LA, sold everything, moved to New York. No job. No, I was so poor, dude. I was so fucking poor. I had like no money um, and just like figured it out. Dude, I love that story, man. Cause like I can relate in so many kind of. You know, yeah, cause you did the Columbia and shit. Exactly. Like, and, but I, I was working this job and like while building this thing. And back in November, you know, finally decided to rip that Band-Aid off. Just, I, and I have a house. Like, I bought a house. Mm-hmm. Like, I, what kind of idiot? I don't know why I did that. Because <laughs> they told you. Yeah, exactly. I did the right thing, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, yeah. Stay away from they. Yeah, yeah exactly. 100%, dude. That's, we're going to dive into that <laughs> a little bit. But basically, like, for me, then it was, okay, pack my shit and do one bag down to Columbia. And that gave me kind of the time and space to breathe to realize that, like, okay, 
and what do I really want and like what what's next you know because I've always wanted to be able to travel build my business do these kinds of things and it hasn't I haven't gravitated towards just like one city but like just kind of being able to go wherever, whenever. That's been really important for me. So I found that really interesting that you, you kind of, that's one thing that I do find pretty common with a lot of successful entrepreneurs is there's that, that phase where it's like you just gotta take a leap. That was kind of- My mom was like, what if it doesn't work out? I was like, I don't know, I'll fucking come back to yeah. this shithole. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, what's the worst? I'm not gonna die. Exactly. So, we like, always make a way bigger deal out of it. Like, oh, it's such a big risk. But it's like, dude, I have a, I have a basement in my parents' house if, if everything uh, goes to shit. I was 23 and I have nothing, mom. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. No, I love that, man. And so t talk, talk me through New York. What were you doing here? And then kind of what was your So like, I had no money and I had no money and shit. Um, somehow someone rented, uh, so I commented, one of my buddies that, um, like I love to death, uh, he, I like persuaded him to come here also. And, um, so he came with me. So I had someone here, but not a new, no one that knew New York. Right. right? So, but at least I had a compatriot. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't entirely solo, yeah. but someone rented us an apartment. I don't We finessed it. Um, just like classic New York story. It was like a loft. There wasn't even real walls inside, but it was like quintessential New York yeah. apartment. Um, for young, for like a young person. Anyway, so like when I first got here, I was like, I got settled. I like crushed all seasons of Sopranos in like two weeks. And then I was like, all right, now I got to get to real life. So like I was still into startups at the time because I hadn't learned the lesson of everyone gets fucked for the most part. Um, so I got some job at some software. I was really into software as a service at the time. Um, the, or, you know, like the concept of it. Yeah. I got, I got this job at one. I made no money, dude. It was like 40K a year. I was like barely, I was like budgeting to the penny, like for groceries and all that stuff, dude. And um, I was there for like a year, but also like at the time I was like growing up, maturing and stuff. And I realized like, yo, I have a real contempt for authority, especially when authority is arbitrary. Yeah. And so like I had this boss, but she'd have all these requirements that didn't make any sense. And you question them. It's like, why are you questioning? And so I was like, yo, this is not for me. And so at the time, like I didn't have any hustle um, going at that at that time. So I, s some other software company like poached me and I was being like the number three employee. And I was like, yo, like at this time it, it either happens or it doesn't, yeah. right? And so while I was there, it was just like, you know, like th the founder lives somewhere else and um, it, what, I just had a lot of freedom. So I got really good at like, I'll come in, I'll do my work for three or four hours, then the rest of the day I'll do whatever the hell I want. It could just be bullshit around New York, do work on my side hustle or whatever. So a buddy of mine uh, and I started um, this bracelet company and it was pretty much just like costume jewelry. And we took like Cartier bracelets and made them out of rubber and they sold like hotcakes. And this is, we made videos about this. Yeah. Um, and at the, again, e-com, this was a long time ago, e-com, right? 2013. And so Wild West almost. Yeah. It was a, it was a different game. Instagram, right? Like I don't even think there were DMs yet. No, I think that that was the time where you could post a picture of your dinner and it gets 12,000 yeah. likes, you know. Yeah. It was crazy. So, um, like that started to get to get heat and then Cartier sent us a C&D because we were using their mark admittedly at the time. Um, and so we just changed it yeah. to what mark they didn't own, which was with theirs is like a flathead screwdriver and we changed it to Phillips head. Okay. Like we're good. And we rode that for a while, like a year, 18 months. 
And we came up with some other designs, some influenced by some of their pieces. But again, everything we do is out of rubber. Like there's no, yeah. no one's not. It's not buying, a Cartier bracelet. No one's not buying the real shit because they can buy the rubber version. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is for like. You're not really competition. No, we're. This is for like streetwear kids that read hype beasts. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. And so, um, ultimately, we got another CND on some like, like, like bullshit. Um, they were just like wanted the, the store to be gone and I get it but like we weren't infringing on their mark and the stuff that they pulled they were like they, they cited some like um, laws in these obscure like Eastern European countries where we didn't have one sale like we've never sold there once okay. and it's just like a scare tactic thing we wrote back and it was it, it went away um, they just like stopped because they had no basis and then Ultimately, they got mad smart, and they sent a C&D to Shopify, and Shopify took the products down without oh. even hitting us on Black Friday. Damn. Yeah. On Black Friday. That was supposed to be the payday, bro. Yeah. That was supposed to pay for the rest and, of your year. And my partner and I at the time were like, you know, we're so sick of dealing with this yeah. um, that either we stop selling these SKUs altogether, but that, like, the whole brand was those SKUs. I didn't know that Shopify could just shut you down like that. Well, they, they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And so, like, their lawyers got smart. Shopify like just didn't want to yeah. be in the middle and um, so at that point we were already like yo this is getting annoying let's just get through this Black Friday and be done with it and we didn't even get the chance to get through Black Friday so and it, that's why like we make these videos people comment like why would you do that why don't you do XYZ and it, we were just like so tired of the getting yeah. kicked in the shins we were just like screw it we'll move on but that's like the whole sunk cost thing right it's like yeah. pe people are like yeah, well no but like you all you have to do is this that but you don't know. You're not there. Yeah, you're you haven't been there. doing it for like two years. Like, it's it's exhausting. Like, you're just fighting this thing, and it just they keep finding. Ways. Well, they have all the resources. We have no resources. Exactly, and you guys are just trying to make a couple bucks, just to, like make it in New York. We're, yeah, we're just like trying to be kids, have our have our ecom thing, stack chips, and yeah. who knows, you know. Yeah. So that was the end of that. And then, at, when I was had at the software, the second software company, I was like started doing agency stuff, some web design, some email, some. Uh, paid ads and I was pretty much just like arbing stuff mm -hmm. right like with the exception of the email that I was would fulfill on I would like sell it in and get someone to do the work and it was like a fine little like side hustle ultimately yeah. I was like mad comfortable at the at the software company and I had my side thing yeah. but ultimately like I stayed there two years too long like I was not fulfilled I was bored I was again tired of having a boss that would had put all these like uh, like arbitrary rules in place for no reason um, and so like but I was comfortable because I had the agency thing, I had the salary, and I was just like young, living in New York, yeah. chopping it up. Yeah. And so I kind of, I wasted two years of like being actually productive just because I was comfortable. And most, a lot of people get trapped in that. And so then at the time it came like the chapter two of, of like a time to take a leap. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo mom, I'm gonna leave. Oh, what if it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing all over again applied to this new thing. And uh, ultimately I just like, I was, I was out, all my shares vested and everything um, with, the, with the software company. I was like, it's time to make a change. I'm fucking miserable. And I just went all in, at the time, all in on the agency, still doing a bunch of stuff like web, web design and email and, um, and ads. But again, like I didn't know at the time about offers or positioning or marketing. Like it, it was just like freelance type. Kind of, yeah. It was very like, I'll just take a contract. You need a website, I'll get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no consistency. There was no branding. There was no funnel, yeah. and so it was just like having a lot of components to like you know, just generate cash. Yeah. And then I was like, this is not a business. Um, this is just like me trying to. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so, what I did was I cut 
everything that wasn't email because that's what I had the most confidence in. And at the time, I didn't think about like, let me just, I'll, whatever I choose to offer, I'll just find someone to fulfill it. I wasn't even thinking that no, sophisticated. Like, I was just like, I'm going to do it, right? And so I didn't want any employees at the time. I just want, I just want this to be me. I don't want to deal with people. And so ultimately, it's in retro, like, it was limiting belief. And so um, I started getting some clients. I was doing cold hours, just like hustling to get, to get clients. And I got to like 10 or 12K a month. And I was doing everything, the marketing, the selling, the fulfilling. Then I was like, okay, now I just have like a new job where I don't have one boss. I have like four bosses that are the clients. And if one leaves, I'm like fucked. Yeah. And so I was like, now I see why you have employees, mm-hmm. right? And so at the time, I was like, you know, I'm all in on the, I'm doing the, like, I'm committed to the email piece of it. And I was like, you know, I need to, like, I don't know how to get to the next step. Okay. Right? Like, I had no, they don't teach a shit in school, which they should. Um, and so I was like, I was trapped. I was like, doing 10, 12K, I'm like, fuck, what do I do? So I jumped in. That's a scary place to be for just one person because, like you said, you're kind of a slave to these people. But I also had a nice quality of life because I was making 12K a month. Yeah. You know, and I don't spend that much money. But now that I'm, I'm my wife spends all the money now. But I, but you also, it's so risky because you don't want to lose exactly. one or two clients. You're like, oh, well, I need more. Exactly. But how are you going to get Hang, more Hanging a market, sell, and fulfill them. Yeah. So then at the time, I like, I realized like I have like a low ceiling and I, I don't know what I don't know, but I know that I don't know a lot. Mm. And so... I was like looking for something. I've been on this list uh, that for Traffic and Funnels Mastermind for a while. Um, so I booked a call with them. Cool. And uh, You've been consuming, all, you read all the books. You, you... No, no, there were no books at the time. Oh, they didn't have any. They were, it was just Traffic and Funnels. Dude, this is before. This is, before this I... is like 2018. Yeah, okay. um, and so they may have had one book, but I don't know if I didn't know about it at the time. Um, so I got on a call with, with one of their sales guys or whatever, going through it. And I knew I needed something. I just didn't know what it was. And the sales, this guy, the sales guy was Cole Gordon. He's like big in the sales game now. Um, and I never been on the phone to buy anything ever, let alone high ticket. So we get to it. And I had a couple, uh, like I've been shopping around for maybe a couple weeks. Like, no, I need something, but I didn't know, couldn't verbalize it. Anyway, so Cole, he made the offer. And then I was like, so scared, dude. He's like, he's 10K or 9,800. And I was so scared to like buy it on, buy it period, let alone on the spot, like don't spend money like that. And I was like, dude, I was like, I got to talk to my account because it was like tax time. I was like, I didn't talk to my account, like we talk later. And I didn't have to. I was just like so shook to make it. And so he's like, all right, I'm gonna call you at four. Is that cool? I was like, yeah. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, and then I was just like the whole day pacing, like, is it all, it's almost four. It's almost four. And then he calls, like, I can't not answer the phone and like bitch out. You know what I mean? And so ultimately I jumped in at the time, so scary. Um, and I remember like later at night at dinner telling my, at the time my girlfriend, and I was like, yo, I just dropped 10 G's today. And um, she's like, on what? And I told her, she's like, well, she's like, you, usually, you don't usually do that. So you, you must have like some level of conviction if you did it. And so she's like, it's just like, it'll be fine. And so anyways, that's like, after I jumped in there, it changed everything. Cause then I got the education or the tutelage to like, this is how you structure an offer. This is how you position it in the market. This is how you sell. Cause I never had any formal sales training. Um, and it really just helped me like work on conceptualize and install those pieces. Yeah. And then once I started getting a little bit more volume, then the first thing I focused on, and again, advised this by them at the time, yeah. um, which I 
what I figured out ultimately, but not as quickly, was get someone to help with the fulfillment so I can focus on generating the opportunity volume and closing the volume. Yep. And then that's really when things turned a corner and they became like an actual real agency business at the time. That's an amazing story, man. Thanks, I, I, I'm, I'm just so fired up to hear it because there's so many things in there that I could kind of go and there's so many directions I could take this right now. But I do think that when you're kind of early in your business journey, when you don't even know what you don't know, but you know that you don't know stuff, like you said there, um, you know, investing in coaching and courses and stuff and actually taking that stuff and applying it to your business. Because that's the thing that a lot of people don't do. They'll get the initial dopamine hit of like, oh, I just spent 10 grand, like, oh, this is great. But they, they don't, don't do actually shit. actually do shit, right? Because it's like, you can kind of trick your brain into thinking you did something by making an investment, right? But like, you know, make the investment, apply the stuff, and then... Well, the 10 Gs is just access. Exactly. The investment is the time and the, like, being, paying attention, you know? And so I just, like, knew I didn't want to live the way I was living, and I had to figure it out. 100%. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's like, in retrospect, it's, it's, it's nuts. That's the thing that like just takes you like flips the switch from like freelancer kind of scrape to business owner. To, like, I'm a business I remember like I don't know if it was six months in or nine or maybe twelve max. The bit I think I was doing like fifty k a month at the time, and I was, remember sitting with my mom talking to her about it, about the program and how it changed everything. And like I think about the ROI of the ten k. Like I still feel like the money I make today is ROI from the ten k spent. Right, and so. And when I'm telling my mom this, I was like, I'm listening to the words I'm saying. I'm like, mom, I feel like I sound like I'm in a cult. Because <laughs> I was like, just so bought in. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, That's so funny. And so, but yeah, dude, it was just like what I needed at the time. It's when, when I, uh, you know, when I broke this stuff down to my pops, because I had a job in the federal government, mind you. So it's not any old nine to five. It is like the most structured, stable and like, I'm so thankful for it now that I, I hated it so much. And like, I had such a job that I hated so much. And like, I had all these arbitrary rules, like you're talking about all this bullshit. Um, I'm so thankful for it now because if, if I had a job that I even kind of semi-liked... Like, you would still be there. I'd still be That's there. That's how they trap you, bro. 100%. So I'm glad that I hated it so much. I'm thankful for it. But then I remember telling my pops and like kind of sitting him down, like having some whiskey and it's like, hey... So like I'm gonna I'm leaving this thing and I'm moving to Colombia and like I don't know what I'm gonna do with my house I might try to rent it out or something or and uh, yeah I'm just gonna fuck off so um, and it, he just looks at me dumbfounded like Indian father you know drives a bus just like worked his ass off immigrant yeah. like you know what I mean? What do you say? What if it doesn't work out? Wow, he was like she was like you're an idiot like like it, that's so risky like why would you take such a big risk? Keep the job. Do whatever little side hustle. Because I, I started a media company. Right. Whatever the fuck that means. I have no idea what that means now. But I started a media company. This was before I met Jamie, a couple years before. Um, this is, that's how I actually met Tony, one of our clients, right? And um, he, like, Tony actually basically was one of the people who springboarded the business because he came to me with this one uh, deal with the Ottawa police, um, like wh where we're from, the police department. You know, COVID had just started. This is the beginning of COVID, and the police still got to train, but the gyms are closed. So who do they go to? Tony's got to connect mm -hmm. in the police department. Tony calls me. He's like, hey, bro, you do videos, right? You've seen from this podcast setup process that I do not do videos. <laughs> I'm like, of course I do videos. What do you need? 
He's like, okay, okay, cool. Right, we're going to get on a call. Boom, I'm getting thrown on my first sales call. I've never been on, I don't even know what a sales call is. Uh -huh. I'm on, Tony throws me to the sharks. He's like, yeah, yeah Deep, tell them what you're going to do with the videos. I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we record multimedia content. I had no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just like, yeah, you know, going to film Tony working out. It's going to be great for the constables. Da, da, da. Tony calls me the next day. He's like, okay, we got the deal, but like, you got to build a website. You build websites, right? I know you build websites. I'm like, <laughs> I do now. Never built websites in my life, but I'm, of course I do. So I just got good at finding people who could do the thing, do the thing while I was just good at, right. you know. And so, um, you know, kind of relating that back to then when I, when I did make the leap and finally leave that job because I, I worked that well and then after I met Jamie and then we started this new thing and kind of let go of the other thing and whatnot but I just remember just speaking to my father and my mother and just being like guys like this is gonna sound like absolutely ridiculous but I just have so much faith and belief in my heart that like I'm gonna make this investment in myself and my company and it's gonna pay well like there in Jim Rohn He's like famous yeah, dude. He has yeah. this quote. He's, he says like it's all risky, and he has this whole spiel about it. But it's like to his to uh, his point. It's like if you do it, it's risky. If you don't do it, it's risky mm -hmm. in a different way. But that's true for all things. And so his whole thing is like it's all risky. It's just like you choose the risk. Yeah, I've always said like the real risk is taking none. Yeah. Right. Because it's like if you if you actually do view it as a risk, you're gonna go into it kind of has like you gotta go all in, mm -hmm. and so. You know, that's what took me a long time to figure out. But then a really big part of that, because now I'm in business at this point, right? In business, I have one fucking contract. Yeah. And, it, and mind you, it's it's good money for me. I, it's more than I'm making on my job. Right. So I'm like interested. I'm like, how do I get more of these? Yeah. I don't know. How many police departments are there in Canada? <laughs> you know, I, I, and I'm starting to think like my, the, the gears are turning. But I didn't have a business. That That's the real truth. Right. Just like I didn't at the beginning. Exactly. But I, I had the Canadian equivalent of um, LLC. Like I incorporated the company. I got an accountant. I did all the things. I, I built my website. Like, I was like, I did all, all the things except for clients. All the things except for learning how to get more business. Yeah. Right. So the second go around, you know, the you know, deep social brands that we're running with Jamie, I'm so over indexing the other way. And I invested. In that first year of business, I invested over thirty to forty thousand dollars in like courses, coaching, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and it scared the shit out of me, dude. I remember getting on like the similar call, like uh, sales call, or actually, it was actually an email exchange. With I had already had the call, but I'm like, I need to think about it, and I go through this email exchange, I get the price, and it, you're gonna fucking die. Fifteen hundred dollars to get into this like one of these Twitter bros um, like coaching program things where a bunch of other Twitter killers are in there and like 1500 bucks like and USD mm -hmm. so like I'm Canadian yeah. so I'm like tripping I got like 1500 bucks in my bank right. total and so I remember it was such a like mindset shift that when the thing that they got me to close they're like well we don't think that you're ready to make this decision right now. And I was like, well, why? Well, it's like, you're asking for discounts. Right. You're asking, well, can I, can I start next month? I, I was the worst type of client, yeah. right? I was asking for, can you charge me in CAD instead of USD mm -hmm. for, for the, yeah. 
like all this bullshit when they're just like, dude, just make the decision. Like what if you if you're the type of person who's gonna make the decision to grow your business, you're gonna do this. And like now looking back on it, it's like as much as that might sound like a sales trick or this, that, and the other thing, it's true. No, it's it it is a trick, but it is true. It is a trick, but it is true. You know? Uh, it's so true, dude. Like we deal with that on the phone still. When I was selling more consulting stuff than agency services, um, we would have to use that all the time. Because it's like the whole mindset of buying is completely the wrong, like the mindset in which they're in is completely wrong mindset. Like if you're actually a boss, act like a boss. You know, even like now, dude, in retrospect, I was embarrassed like now. So even like when I teamed up with you guys, I was one call close. I, I didn't ask any questions. I didn't give a shit. I wanted to bring that up, but you brought it up. <laughs> I was just like, knew, I knew I need this because I've been looking for so long. Yeah. Again, I, I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs, they, they don't have self-awareness and they don't really have, uh, they're not very sophisticated and there's a lot of ego. Yes. Whereas for me, I'm like, I don't care about ego. Uh, it's just not, never really done it for me. Um, and I, maybe I'm not the most sophisticated, but I know at this stage, I like know what I'm looking for. So I have like sophistication from that standpoint. And so I've been looking for a unicorn like you guys from, from like literally four months. And then finally, once I found you, I was like, I was, if you, I, I almost didn't even care for the phone call. I just wanted to meet. I would have just closed up in an email. That's crazy. You know, I just like, I just knew it. I knew I needed it. And maybe you guys weren't the right fit, but I'll figure that out later. I just have to get going. Um, so now it's like, in retrospect, it's like, damn, I'm embarrassed. I did two call close with Cole for traffic and funnels. Um, so I don't know. It's just like the yeah. growth. Gro but, but that's the growth. Like, uh, the, that's like, you really hit the nail on the head there. It's like the what type of person are you and like you know you're probably even going to look back you know 10 15 years from now on like some of the decision making criteria that you have now that you think is more sophisticated well dude even shit from like eight months ago i'm like yeah. damn dude yeah. like that's antiquated or i like i was completely wrong or just like being a little bitch it's, it's crazy man i want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk you know more specifically about your agency right now as it is because you guys are doing numbers you're, you're going to be too humble to admit it but no we're not doing that good you know you guys are doing very well and you, you could if you'd like you could share kind of like what you're uh, on track for revenues for this year but i think uh, the audience would be you know very uh, very interested in hearing your perspective on you know because you're one of the goats in this industry, even though you won't say it. You, yo, you're, you're, you're the goat, man. You're the email marketing goat. Talk about your agency a little bit and share some numbers if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. So let me, I'll talk about the, matur like the maturation of the business a little bit because it's gone through a few different stages. And, and I think just think it'll be helpful for listeners and, and like everything's 2020 in hindsight, right? So when I started, I was doing freelancing stuff. Then I started to like build it as an agency. Um, little by little, right? Very humble beginnings. Um, again, I had limiting beliefs. I didn't know what was possible at the time. 30K a month was like, dude, that's Mecca, right? And so then when I got into traffic and funnels and I started to experience some of the like operational um, friction that comes with the growing piece on the marketing side and sales side and buying ads and costs and fulfillment, all those, all those things. Because I was literally just like figuring out as I went, like what I did at the time, which was very, in, in the moment, all the rage was um, this like sort of done with you consulting program. So I essentially productized my IP mm -hmm. that we did fulfilled on the agency side. Okay. And I was like, you know, these business owners that are doing 
under 80K a month in sales, I actually firmly believe this today in my heart of hearts that they're much better suited to run their email and text message themselves because it's so close to the heartbeat of the business. And no matter what happens, if they know how to do that, they'll always be able to make money for themselves. Um, and so it was like, it became like very mission oriented for me. Like, yeah, I can, I can be an agency and serve you, but at the end of the day, that's it's there's a limited bandwidth so I, I prioritized all the all my ip and so i knew that like i could just keep continue doing the agency stuff but it's inevitable that they're going to leave at some point because that's just the, how it works in the agency world like the grass is always greener or yeah. whatever happens People are gonna find a way you can get them insane results and, and they, they'll still for, for whatever reason yeah, yeah. and so i was like that was part of my thesis i was like yeah you're you're um how many, like, what agency pain do you already have? Yeah. Would you like to not have that again? Like, let me show you how to do this so you can control it. And then later, if you choose to hire an agency, at least you know how to do it from a position of like, you've done this before, you know if you're being bullshitted, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so I was, we were reasonably successful selling that sort of offer, but it's inherently flawed in that fundamentally, like, even if it's the best thing for them, no one wants to do it. No one's a copywriter, no one's a designer, you know what I mean, these entrepreneurs. Um, and then from a technical standpoint, a new tool like the learning curve is straight up. There's a lot of like fear baked into the offer, like, oh, what if I can't write well? Or what, it, what it, like, I'm not a good designer. So there's a lot of friction. So looking back, I'm like, wow, we were actually really good at selling that offer considering all the friction that we had to go through to get people over the hump. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for entrepreneurs, like they're always busy right, or these store owners or whatever, there's always some shit that comes up. And what, for whatever reason, the marketing, which is actually the, the lifeblood and, and the, the, uh, the, the oxygen for the business to create sales, for some reason, always gets put by the wayside and, or like, like gets pushed down the ladder and their, or, and their attention goes to like whatever the burning issue is, like the fulfillment or customer service, which is, which is very low it, uh, leverage, right? Which is very low leverage stuff. Um, and so if anything, they should pay someone whatever, $20, $15 an hour to do that stuff and focus on the marketing because that's what I would actually grow the business, but they don't look at it like that. So I was like, I don't know, a, a year and a half, two years of selling the, the consulting offer and I turned away so much agency business, dude, just because I was like, I don't want an agency. I want this consulting business again. Well, why? Did you think that it was it's more scalable? Like, it was, well, one, the mission piece. Like I could keep selling you the crack for the agency stuff, but it doesn't really help you and I don't want to just be the agency. I just want to just perpetuate the bullshit that all these people have to deal with. And I thought, I thought I was doing the right thing, but they didn't ultimately want what was best for them, um, co like collectively. And so I was just like, and it was higher leverage. Like we could serve a lot more people. Um, and so like, I, I was just all in. And again, at the time it was all the rage and it was like the model. And so I turned a lot of, away a lot of agency business because I didn't want, I don't want the overhead and the deal with all the people like this I could do and it'd be a team of five or six, but yeah. the agency, it's like, it requires a lot more. Right. And so at the end of the day, like this was actually last year, I was like, we're just like beating our head against the wall, like trying to get we, like I had the ceiling of like, I don't know, eight or nine clients a month, maybe 11. I could never break it. And I'm like, this is driving me crazy. And so no matter what I did, spend more money on ads and change up like how we position it, change structure the offer a little bit differently. Nothing, nothing changed. And so I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like the, the market wants agency. They don't want to do it. Like at this point, like the joke's on me if I don't just accept that as inevitable and and focus on the agency. And ultimately that's what I did. I said, screw it. Um, and just went all in on agency at that point. So in retrospect, if I would have either not done that offer or taken the agency clients at the time, um, starting in like 2019, 
then, or maybe 20, early 20, I would have been much farther. I would already be at five to 800K a month right now, you know? And so it's just like one of those things just like comes with trying different shit and, and everything. Yeah. Um, but like, so I, at times I kick myself, I'm like, fuck, dude, like I was so stupid. But also, it's just like, it is what it is. It's just part of the game though, man. You've, you kind of fell a bunch of times on the way this journey, but like kind of always found a way to fall forward. You know, from, you know, 24K, what was it called? 24K gold. 24K gold. Like, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, man. <laughs> it's, it's clean. And like all these other kind of little like data points where like you try something and say, ah, nah. Well, most people like, I just think that just like being a business owner, entrepreneur, it's just like in my blood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like who I am. Like, Would you say you're a very intuitive person? Uh, I, I mean, I like to think so. No. Yeah. Cause like that, that's kind of the sense that I get like for your ability to pivot that many times and then to land on the thing that well, like it's all still was all, like needed tweaking and like, dude, and this is just like eight months ago that I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go in all in the agency. I'll just accept it for what it is and keep it moving. It does not forever. Um, it's not my, it doesn't have to be like the, the agency doesn't have to be my identity. Cool. And it's just like, you know, people don't want what's best for them. It's like, like, who am I? What are you going to do? About like they, go, doc they don't listen to their doctor either. Yeah. So. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's cool, man. Because it sounds like you've kind of removed any and all ego from that equation. And it's just like, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. Yeah. So what's kind of like the next iteration then for, for the agency? So I made a deal with my, well, my, so at the, when, I, when I went all in on the, when I decided to go all in on the agency business pre-consulting, um, like when I jumped in traffic and funnels, it was like, I was doing, I had an e-com business at the time also selling supplements like uh, nootropics, like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was all self-funded. And, but I, I, I was trying, I was playing that game, that, uh, that e-com game as if I had raised money, but I didn't. So the churn wasn't keeping up with, there were, the acquisition wasn't keeping up with the churn. Mm. So it was like, I would get some and I would lose some. It was just flat, but I couldn't live off of it. And my dad's like, dude, you need to pick one thing. You have one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. Yeah. Put going on one and don't even think about anything else until that one thing is in a place where it can operate virtually without you. That's one and thing so, that I've had to learn the hard way. It's hard, man. And so like I'm on Twitter. I get to, I'm like, I'm not, like I'm, there's always like some new cool shiny thing. I'm like, oh, that's a sick idea. Is it better than the idea I'm working on? And then it would take re time, effort, resources, brain power away from the thing. Shiny so, object syndrome. Dude, it's the worst. So I was like, you know what, dad, you're right. So I like, I committed to myself, like I'm not doing anything else until this is in a place where it converts. I can, I, like I have the, I've earned the privilege to step out and do other stuff. And so that's, but that time is like actually like right now. And I could have done it last year. I could have made the argument or whatever, but now I actually, actually feel confident. Like I can, opportunities come my way, whatever it means, e-com or software or real estate or whatever. I can like take the, time to go sink my teeth into that and know that the business will, will be okay. And this is just on my timeline. Like that's the, the other piece of that's- how, how many employees do you have? Now I think we have like 15. 15, that's crazy, man. Good yeah. job. I wanted zero, remember? Yeah. You know? That's a really, really unique journey, man. Cause like now you kind of have set it up so that, you know, this is a company that can run without you. For, I mean, for the most part. Pretty much can be built to sell like I don't know if you've read that book yeah, yeah. but like I, I recently listened to it I didn't read it so you know fucking 
stuck in tasks and shit. But um, I think um, I think it's um, one of those things that's really changed my frame of reference of what I even think an agency can be, because mm -hmm. I've kind of always thought that, well, Jamie and I are always gonna have to be a part of it. How the how would it run without us? Like we're we're the the guys, right? right. But that's coming from such a place of ego. Yeah. Like, wait, why? Like. Yeah. There's way smarter people out there. I mean, I learned that very early on. I don't make videos. I don't make websites. There's way smarter people that are even running the business than I could ever be. We're just scrambling. We're just figuring it out every day, which is fine. What I, what I, where, where that I think about it is like, I just want to have the optionality to go whichever way. If that means I still want to be doing this, dope. Yeah. If that means I want to back out, hire a GM or someone to operate it, yeah. dope. If I want to sell it, dope. But like, it's like real it's easy to get like caught up in all the noise out there. Like, oh, you have to, it has to be fast or it has to be, you have to have this many employees. You have to be doing this much revenue per month or you have to be all in all the time or whatever. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I, it just comes back to like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And so if I just want to be in a position where I can be as involved as I want or not and choose that path when I decide to do it, you know what I'm saying? Yep, 100%. And so like, it's again, a lot, I just think it's the self-awareness thing more so, and and like checking the ego. So if you could go back and then tell 20-year-old Phil? Phil Rivers. That would just like, like just mark, like learn how to market and sell. Uh, mark wow. and sell. That's it. Like, dude, my, I didn't know how to sell when I started selling this. I was terrible. And like actually Cole like critiqued one of my calls like early on and he's like, uh, he sent me a recording of his critique and he's on the recording. He's like, dude, I just want to tell you, like, this is going to hurt. Like, this is going to be hard to listen to, but just get through it because you'll come out stronger the other way. And like, literally after I listened to that call, my just production, like 10 x from a closing standpoint. So it's just like, it's just little things, dude. Um, but I, I but a lot of people's egos couldn't handle that, even listening. No, and I'm not like perfect, you know, but it's just like, I don't care. Like, I don't know what I don't know. I'm not the smartest. I'm just like, but I'm resourceful, resourceful enough to figure it out. I just have the will. And so I just don't care about what someone else is doing or their opinions. You know, I have boys that are doing, like, I thought, I, like, I'm smarter than them or whatever. And then they're farther along than me. It's just like, it is what it is. We're not, I'm not competing with you. It's just like, they're running their own race and I happen to know them. I love one you know, thing that you just talked about before was the optionality. That's one of my favorite words. To always have those different options available and be able to assess at whatever checkpoints or whatever that hey, I can, I can do this or I can do that or I can do that. One important thing, you know, that obviously we didn't touch on too much in this podcast is that you're a family man, Phil. You know, so how does that play into kind of some of this optionality moving forward? Um, you know. Do you want to be spending more time with your growing family? Uh, you know, do you want to sink your teeth in another business? Like, what's what's next? What do you want? I don't know, man. I like well, family's the most important. It's so funny because like I never wanted to be married or have a baby, and now I have both, <laughs> and a new one on the way. Um, Congratulations, by the way, man. Thank you, man. And so like, in terms of I, like, I just love business, and so like right now I look like. I, I think about it like I'm just getting started. Yeah. Like, you know, now th this business is in a place where it's like actually a real business. It has defensibility. It has systems and processes from a marketing selling fulfillment standpoint. Yeah. And I'm like, I learned so much. 
and I wish I learned this shit 10 years ago, but again, it is what it is. And so now it's just like, okay, now how do I take this and level up to the next level? And whether that be buying something, just like taking the cash flow from this and buying real estate. Um, like I've always, that's always been things I wanted to do, but I, again, I made the commitment yeah. before I was like, so now I'm like actually on the precipice of it, like honoring the commitment I made to myself. So I, like there's no slowing down from a business standpoint. I, don't, I, just, I really want to go like go faster and do more, but not too much where I, it's just like it owns me. Mm. Um, but I also like I live in the country. So I'm like with my wife literally all day and see my daughter every morning, every night. So I don't look at it like I'm, I'm really trying to like design our lifestyle so that whether we're upstate or we decide to like go to Florida or go to Columbia, we could, well, I have the optionality to do that, like not tied to anything. And it's not just one business unit, but multiple business units right. generating cash flow, and just like m more so look about it from the standpoint, think about it from the standpoint of like uh, allocating capital, which I'm by no means an expert at at all. I'm like a total noob, but it's like, how do I have assets that generate cash flow? And then what do I do with it? Right. So that's like the next thing that I'm just like super interested in and intrigued by and just like want to dive in head first because like, that's like, I, I, I don't know, I think about it, it's just like the next level. But if I, if I have the assets pumping the cash flow, then I'd really have the optionality to do whatever, whenever, um, personally or, f you know, family business. And so, again, I guess it all just, that's the, that's the fucking word of the pod is optionality. Optionality. That's what we're going to call this thing, man. <laughs> One kind of last big topic I really want to discuss before uh, we get out of here. You know, you've got this digital real estate asset that you're building as well. Um, I want to talk about what's the role of Twitter and social media been in your business. Yeah. So originally, I was just like, I've always been like uncomfortable on the internet. Like I'm just a very private dude. Like I don't post on, never post it on Instagram. I don't like flexing. Um, it's just not in my nature. You know what I mean? So like, it, there's just like always been like a, a sort of, I don't want to say a disconnect, but I also felt like sort of like, um, a fraud to myself doing the stuff on the internet just because it's not who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I started the agency and it started growing, like I needed to do ads. That was the first thing I didn't, didn't do any organic. Um, and I tried doing it without my face being in it, but it didn't go very well. Then I was like, you know, if I really want to do, if I really want the, this business to be what it can be, I have to turn the camera around. And so I just like, my, again, nothing my dad told me is like, dude, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's because only growth comes from discomfort. If you think about it in the gym, like you're, put, you're moving weight, it's hard, you're sore after, that's discomfort. That's the only way you get stronger. So I was like, you know, true, Pops, like right again. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, Your Pops is a big mentor for you? Like you always run a lot of big decisions? I think so, like I'm in, very independent and stuff. So I could probably let, get more out of him than I do because I'm just so like, just like proud. Yeah, I'm just like proud and want to figure it out. Yeah, uh, but he always has like wisdom nuggets, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Awesome. And so, um, uh, at the, so then I had to turn the camera around. So it's like, then I just got kind of used to it. Even it's still uncomfortable now, like when I do the the stuff for you guys. But it just like, is what it is. It's a necess it's necessary at this point. And most people aren't willing to do it. Like ninety nine percent of people on these platforms just consume. They never they never post. Very true. And so it's just like the, again, I. Another thing my dad said was, it's all about increasing your chances of getting struck by lightning. So the more times I do it, it yeah. just increases the likelihood of good things happening. Yeah. And so it's just like, again, what's, what's, what's the risk? The risk is if I don't do it, I have a very low ceiling. The risk if I do do it, I'm uncomfortable, but that'll eventually wear off and the sky's the limit. 
100%, so, man. Now, from a content standpoint, first it started with ads, and I didn't care about organic. And again, in retrospect, I'd go back and change that entirely and really focus on organic three years ago. Because it's longer term. Yeah, and I would be much in a much different position now, or I'm just much farther along. But so now it's just like, last year I started, I was like, I'll do Twitter because I don't need video um, and stuff. And I was like, if I can get two clients from Twitter in the first two months, I'll keep going. So originally I was doing it from the perspective of like client acquisition. And I told Jimmy about this when he and I met uh, in Florida. And then a couple, maybe six months in, um, maybe around like the end of the year last year, I was just like, it was client acquisition was smooth from it, but I was like, I was starting to grow my follower count and I would think I was like around 10K at the time-ish. Um, maybe this is a Fed Jan Feb, I don't remember. Um, but anyways, once I hit 10K, uh, it was like things changed, like the op perception of me changed, like how people would hit me up, what they would hit me up about. And then I was just like, yo, this is like, it was a weird thing. And like, I, I don't consider myself an influencer. You've ascended like into the money Twitter, like. But just like how people perceive me is like, I have cachet. And so now it's just like, I was like, yo, this is even more powerful from a like branding standpoint and just positioning and equity with the market broadly. And the, I'll take the client acquisition stuff, but my whole, change my whole perspective of like, I'm just going long tail brand, yep. um, equity building, and who knows what opportunities come down the pipe from the business standpoint. That, that's the Hormozy model, man. I mean, I mean, he's like, he's a fucking OG, like that dude's such a baller, like. No, but dude, you're in the same conversation. I genuinely believe that because, you know, you, you are investing in this thing for, the long term you've already got the successful business that seems pretty systemized you know it's we just we gotta perform better we gotta get you on like two two three uh you know TikToks to blow up and stuff know, but then but then the opportunities are gonna be endless and it kind of leads back into that optionality thing that you're talking about where you're like well you know what like I might just do more podcasts or, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to do with that attention, but you just know that it's valuable and it's worth investing. And I don't know what's going to come of it yet, but like, I do know, I saw what Twitter did. And uh, so now like with you guys, I was like, I need, I need video stuff. Yeah. And I wanted to, like, TikTok is the, is the future. Yeah. I want to do TikTok. And like, admittedly, we haven't, I haven't grown like I thought I would, yeah. but it's like, again, I don't. It's not an ego thing. I want it just from an equity standpoint and reach standpoint yeah. because it increases the probability of getting struck by lightning. 100%. And so it's just like, yo, it's not there. A lot of people I think would have thrown in the towel already because there's ego like, oh, like I only have 3K now. Oh shit. And it's like, dude, whatever. Like it's not about this, I don't know, five months we've been doing it, four months. It's just like four months is a blip on the radar for 20 of the next 20 years. So it's like, I don't even care. And that's why, like, I, I, we, I'm not making this up. I genuinely talk about this with, with the team all the time. I'm like, and, you know, I love all my clients equally, right? <laughs> but Phil Rivers is one of my favorite clients because, you know, you just see it. From the beginning, from that first interaction that we had to now, you know, maybe we don't have some of the insane numbers that we, you know, have for some of our other clients with you. I just know that it's going to catch up and then pass a lot of other people because, you have, um, you just have this very long-term view on like, yeah, this, this will succeed. I think it comes back to like playing baseball, like sports. And it's just like baseball is a game of failure. Like if you're batting 300, you fail 70% of the time. But that's still... That's, you're very good at, yeah. at 300. And so I just look at it, it's just like, it's all, like a season is long, like it's not a sprint. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's just like, you stick around, you keep taking swings, you're gonna get the knock. You're yeah. gonna get, you're gonna hit the home run sooner or later. So it's just like, it's just all, it's just a matter of time. 
again, stacking the deck to increase the chances of getting struck by lightning, and eventually it's going to hit. Dude, I'm, I don't think there's a better way to end this podcast, brother. I appreciate you Thank so you much. Me, Thanks for coming on the It's Not That Deep podcast. Next time we'll do it in Colombia. 100%, or wherever we're at. It did get pretty deep, though. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate you, Doug.